This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. A private, small school in the heart of Texas, but have that big school atmosphere when it comes to athletics. It was bar none exceptional. I received a great education um, in the biology and chemistry world. And I again, I wouldn't trade it for anything. TCU is definitely the spot to be if you are looking at potentially coming here to school. That is the voice of former TCU football player and current medical salesman, podcaster, author, and boxer, Scott Kujak. Scott stopped by in May while he was in town for a book signing for his book, Underdog, True Stories of Overcoming Adversity. All right, we are so excited today to be joined by Scott Kujak, former member of the TCU football team, author, medical sales extraordinaire, and we're going to get into another championship that he has won uh, since graduating from college. But thank you, Scott, so much for joining us today. Heck yeah, go Frogs. I'm happy to be on the show. This is definitely a dream come true. Before we get into what you're doing now, we'll go into why you came to TCU, and you had a bit of a, a roundabout way to get here. You didn't live near here before you came here, and you actually went to another school before coming here, actually a very far away school. So tell us about your journey and how you ended up here. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in Newport Ritchie, Florida, which is in the Tampa Bay area. Knew I wanted to play football in college. I also had good grades. So actually, in high school, TCU was the college I selected I wanted to go to, and I got a pretty hefty academic scholarship, but I just didn't grow up in the most lavish conditions, so I didn't have enough money to get the rest of my school funded. So I decided to take a full scholarship offer at Eastern Illinois University. That's actually where Tony Romo went to school, and I actually played behind. I was back up to Jimmy Garoppolo, who's the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers right now. Great guy. Um, Did a semester of football there, really enjoyed the football team, but just knew in my heart I wanted something bigger and better in terms of an academic challenge, in terms of a college football atmosphere. So I decided to transfer to TCU. Luckily, I got the same academic scholarship I had offered before and decided, you know what, if I have student loans, it's worth it for this next four-year journey. So that's what got me to TCU. And people are probably thinking, if you grew up in Tampa, the Tampa area, how would your first choice be TCU? Yeah, it's kind of a head scratcher. So I actually grew up a big University of Florida Gator fan growing up, Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin days. But I wanted to do something different than what a lot of my other friends were doing in terms of going to school in Florida. And my uncle and aunt actually live here in Burleson, just south of Fort Worth. And they talked really, really highly of TCU. And my senior year is the year that they won the Rose Bowl. So I came out and took a visit afterwards and just fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the atmosphere. It was buzzing after that big win against Wisconsin. And I said, man, my heart is here. I want to come to Texas. And so you transfer from Eastern, Eastern Illinois, and you actually are a walk-on on the TCU football team at quarterback. So what was it like balancing school and football? It was a lot. Um, I actually did biology and pre-med as my major here at TCU, and I did my minors in chemistry and business. So combining that with football, which is like a 40-hour-a-week job, if not more, and then I also had a couple additional jobs on the side, just trying to balance all of that was a lot. And sometimes I look back now and think, how in the world did I do that? But um, I was able to do all of it, and I enjoyed it, and it's definitely something I wouldn't take back at all. And later we'll get into one of the your teammates and best friends that was on the team, uh, Phil Taylor. But aside from, from just your individual experience on the football team, uh, I know you weren't there uh, all that long, but is there a, mem- a memory or two that sticks out that, you know, maybe a Gary Patterson is, and everyone always wants to know uh, the man behind the, the behind the visor. Well, the moment that probably sticks out to me the most is – 
I think it was 2012. It was our inaugural Big 12 season, and Kansas State was coming to town. At the time, they were ranked number two in the nation. They had, uh, I believe, Colin Klein was a quarterback, if I remember his name correctly. And we had a night game on ESPN. The whole stadium was in a blackout. Everyone was wearing black. That was probably the coolest atmosphere and just intensity and buzz around the week because we had the number two team in the nation come into our house in our first Big 12 conference year. That was probably the coolest moment that I remember out of like a game setting. During his senior year, Scott had to find other activities to boost his interest and further his career path after stepping away from football. Yeah, so my senior year, I actually did not play football. Um, and I actually started with the Student Government Association. I was a representative for the College of Science and Engineering, and I picked up some more jobs and just finished out the school year strong while I was applying to medical school. That was my dream at the beginning was to go to medical school. Luckily, I look back now and I did not get in, which was a blessing in disguise because I love what I'm doing today, um, but really pursued medical school hard and then also picked up some more jobs to earn some income and put myself through college. And you told us your major was in biology and minors in chemistry and business. What was the thing that drew you to biology and what was that like trying to balance? I mean, those are three of the toughest majors programs I can think of and you did them all at one time. Yeah, so again, a very tough balancing act, but I love science. Um, I love learning about medicine and physiology, anatomy. It just really appeals to my passion. In terms of business, I knew that when I was trying to be a doctor, I wanted to own my own private practice one day. And out of all the doctors I shadowed here in Fort Worth, they all told me, medical school's great. You learn a lot of science and the stuff you need to know, but no one tells you about the business side of healthcare. So I wanted to leverage my time here and get that business minor to have a better understanding of business. And then um, in terms of chemistry, I actually did well in chemistry. I was an organic chemistry tutor for my junior and senior year, which helped me pay some of my bills. But um, so I, I just I fell in love with biology, chemistry and business and did well in all of them. While planning to go to medical school, Scott found his current position by a chance encounter at a career fair. Yep, so I actually did my master's in management at the University of Florida after TCU. I went back to Florida, loved it, and at the career fair there, I went around to the different booths that I had written down the companies that were showing up and went and talked to them, got a, a feel, a vibe for the companies and what they were about. But I actually, in honesty, I wasn't too interested because I had a medical school at a medical school interview at Texas A&M the very next day. I was flying out that night, and I thought at that time I had medical school in the bag. But I went and interviewed with the company I'm with now, which is Beckman Coulter, and they went through their filtering process and asked me to come back the very next day for an interview. And I said I was flying out of town; I could not. So they interviewed me there, right there on the spot. And from that interview, they said, we would love to fly out to California, where our world headquarters are, and interview there. And I, I ended up being one of eight selected nationwide for this seven-month training program in Southern California. Did um, well out there, had some fun, met some new cool new people, and then got relocated to Austin, Texas, where I am now. And I've been in the territory for over two years. And what is the life of a medical sales executive? It's pretty nice. There's a lot of flexibility because you set your own schedule, but at the same time, that doesn't mean there's little work. There's a lot of work. I cover about 100-plus accounts, every hospital in Central Texas, from San Marcos, Austin, Temple, Waco, College Station, all of that area I cover. 
And um, in my business, I sell laboratory diagnostic capital equipment. They're five to seven year contracts. So they're long, lengthy sales cycles, about a year or two out. And then the customer wants to be taken care of that entire five year contract. You can't just sell them something and walk away and show it five years later. You have to continue to walk in there and take care of the customer. So are these cold calls when you're walking in and what's the what's the technique i guess for walking in and convincing someone that that your uh, lab equipment is the best one to use that's a great question so a lot of people confuse my role with big pharma they think i'm a drug rep much different Often in movies and TV shows, those drug reps, um, pharmaceutical reps, are portrayed as pesky reps. They're always asking the doctor to sell their drugs, to put some on the shelves, etc. In my world, the customer wants to see us because they have to live and breathe and enjoy their instrument every single day. They can't get their patient results without it. So it's more of a partnership rather than it is a sales-buyer relationship. So um, when I go in, I, I don't cold call. I have established relationships with all of the hospitals that I cover, whether they're competitive or they're base customers. And um, they look forward to seeing me, seeing what's new on the market, what new technology we have. It's definitely not one of, oh, gosh, that guy from Beckman Scott is calling me again. It's not like that at all. And when you're not doing your day job traveling all over central Texas, you have a podcast about overcoming adversity. So tell us about, about that podcast. Yeah, and that's definitely my passion right now. I think that's the coolest thing about where I am in life today. I have a podcast called Underdog. I focus on interviewing people who have overcome extreme adversity. Former cancer, or cancer survivors, entrepreneurs, amputees, veterans, famous athletes, you name it. I've probably done something like it. That all started because of actually a, my buddy that I played football with here at TCU, Phil Taylor. He was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer right around the, the time of my life where I was having a really difficult time looking forward to the future. And he really inspired me of how I can respond to adversity even when life doesn't make sense. So I decided to create this podcast, broadcast it out to more people so that Phil inspired more people than just his immediate family and friends. And since that, it's grown and grown and grown. And I've interviewed people with different stories because I can't relate to my buddy Phil who had cancer. I've never had it, thank God. But I can relate to those feelings of hopelessness and despair that come with it. And how do we find level ground for me to empathize with Phil and vice versa? And then how do we share insightful conversations and perspectives to lift ourselves up out of that and look forward to a brighter future? For those that may not be as familiar, can you tell us a little bit about Phil, the kind of person he was and, and some things that you think about to this day? Yeah, for sure. Phil was the absolute man. Um, we actually put it to get a video together of a bunch of people describing Phil with one word because Phil passed away from cancer in September 2018. And the reoccurring theme behind everybody's word was selfless. That dude was the most selfless person you'd ever met. He was always trying to put a smile on your face, even when he was throwing up the night before from chemotherapy. He was constantly focused about the other person. He was always happy. He was a, quite the athlete. Um, he played wide receiver here on the football team, and he had an incredible pair of hands. That dude could catch anything that you threw his way. It didn't matter where it was. If it was within his radius, he was going to catch it. And he was just a, a really overall great friend. He was a great man of God, had great faith, and just a great inspiration to many. And you've turned that that podcast taking some of the stories and wrote a book about it. And that's part of why you're here today. You're going to be signing at the bookstore here uh, in a little bit. Tell, tell us about that process of taking podcasts and going into a book. 
Yeah, so that was a challenging process. Um, I think you guys can tell kind of from the workload I've put on myself in college, I can, I've learned how to balance many different projects at one time, even now in my career as an adult. So I knew from the get-go starting the podcast, I thought it would be a cool idea to write a book, but I wanted to get the right stories put together. So what I decided is I put 10 stories from the first 40 episodes of the podcast into one book. So you can read a book about Phil and his journey against cancer. You can read about someone who was a burn victim, read about someone who was wrongfully convicted and spent 25 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit and then got found innocent and exonerated. So there's all these different stories compiled into one book. For me, writing a book was a huge challenge. I'm a biology major. I like science and facts. I don't like creativity and writing. So that was a huge process for me. Thank God I had a good editor who helped me along the way because my writing needed a lot of work. But um, I'm glad I did it, and now I'm sitting here with you here today. It's not every day I get a chance to come to Fort Worth, but I'm looking forward to the book signing tonight at the TCU bookstore. And so how many, when did the book come out, and what has been the response you've seen to it so far? So the book was published in late January. Um, it's been pretty good so far. In terms of marketing, I don't have a marketing agency or my publisher doesn't do the marketing for me. It falls on my shoulders. So I've been sharing it here and there with people that are passerby. This is actually my first book signing tonight, and I actually have one this Sunday in Dallas as well. So hopefully that continues to pick up. But everyone that has read the book so far has come to me and given it a five-star review. They say how much they loved it, and I can tell the genuineness in their voice. And I haven't met one person who said they did not cry or at least tear up after reading Phil's chapter, the last chapter of the book. So you say the best for last. Oh, absolutely. You say the best for last. He is, with, without a doubt, the best chapter and um, the best guest I've had on my show. And what is the name of that book and where is it, where is it sold? It's called Underdog, True Stories of Overcoming Adversity. And it's found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, anywhere you can find books online. All right. And aside from your book writing, your underdog underdog story podcast, your medical sales, you've uh, kept up in the in the physical realm and the, the competition realm. As you become quite proficient at boxing, tell us about your uh, boxing hobby and just how successful you've been lately. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about boxing. I actually have some new news to share for you too All that right. we didn't talk about um, last time we spoke. So. Um, I'm the two-time super or two-time defending super heavyweight Golden Gloves boxing champion of Austin and Central Texas. Um, I fell into boxing about two years ago. It's a great sport. I was looking for that competitive atmosphere that football brought, and looking for that again, and looking for a new way of how to defend myself. And honestly, um, boxing is a deeper significance to me. It's a metaphor. Watching Phil fight his fight against cancer and watching other people who I've interviewed fight their fight, I wanted to have a metaphor in my heart that I knew I was fighting for something too, whether it's fighting for myself, fighting for someone who can't fight for themselves, fighting for an organization I believe in, etc. So every time I step in the ring, I try to enter the ring with that mindset. I'm not doing it to be this bravado, you know, cool muscle guy who can knock someone out. I want to do it because I'm fighting for something I believe in. So boxing has been really cool. I've actually sparred a ton of different amateurs, a ton of different professionals. Um, I just fought in the Texas State Tournament here in Fort Worth. I ended up losing to the eventual state champion, which was was tough because that was my first fight, but he was really cool. And if I had to lose to anybody, at least it was a state champ, right? And he was from East Texas. So you take it up two years ago and you're a two-time champion. 
how do you pick it up so quick? And I mean, that just seems very daunting to me going into that physical of a sport and you've already gotten to the upper echelons of it. Yeah. So, um, playing sports my whole life gave me a good basis. I'm, I'm a good athlete. I have a, a good athletic viewpoint. Boxing was new. I definitely had to learn how to throw my hands the right way, throw combinations, protect myself, but I picked it up pretty easily. And honestly, the, the work ethic I kind of developed and created here at TCU on the football team of the weights and the practices and film, all of that went into boxing and becoming a dedicated boxer to earn championships. And again, I'm, I'm not fighting professionally, but to earn Golden Gloves championships and to earn the respect of anyone I step in the ring with, whether they're amateur or professional, every time we're done, they step out and they, they know that I will give them good work no matter who they are. That's been a nice thing of it, of just entering the boxing realm and learning how to defend myself, but taking the athleticism I had at TCU and applying it to new context. And aside from boxing, how else do you think your, your time at TCU really influenced where you are today with your authorship, your podcast, your medical sales, and how you come back to the bookstore here tonight? Yes, TCU was an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love Fort Worth. I love this campus. I love this community. Some of my best friends went to school here, whether they were football friends or just regular friends that I had classes with every single day in biology. Um, I have a lot of friends that are faculty here. In fact, I'm good friends with Chancellor Boschini. He's the one that hooked me up with the contact at the bookstore. So just increasing my network and having the experience to come to a private, small school in the heart of Texas, but have that big school atmosphere when it comes to athletics, it was bar none exceptional. I received a great education um, in the biology and chemistry world. And I, again, I wouldn't trade it for anything. TCU is definitely the spot to be if you are looking at potentially coming here to school. And finally, tell us a bit more about what you have lined up on your podcast and some guests maybe you have lined up for us to listen to and how can people follow you? Yeah, so um, I just released my 61st episode this week. I release one every single Tuesday, or at least that's what I try to do. I have some guests coming up in the works that were ex-professional uh, athletes like boxers or kickboxers. Some of the cool people I've interviewed in the past is I interviewed Richard Overton, who was America's former oldest veteran. He served in World War II. I interviewed him when he was 111 years old, but he just passed away last year at 112 years old. He lived right there in Austin. So I got a chance to interview him, and then we became good friends afterwards, and I would go over there probably every month or two and smoke a cigar with him. A pretty neat guy. I, I interviewed three-time Super Bowl champion Stephen Neal, who is a starting offensive lineman for the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. And then I've interviewed people who aren't a big name. For instance, Carol Decker, she's the first chapter of my book. She was pregnant with her second child, got really sick with an infection, had to have an emergency C-section to save her kid. And when she woke up, she permanently lost her eyesight. She became blind and three of her limbs were amputated. No warning at all, unprepared, and her life changed like that in a second. So how do you battle back from that adversity? How do you overcome? So I've been able to have that different fluctuation between high-profile guests and guests that you've never really even heard of, but they have just an amazing story. Yeah, so if you just, um, if you're in your podcast app or on Google Play, Spotify, whatever, if you just type in underdog Scott Kujak, it'll pull up right away. If you type in just underdog, it might be hard to find because there's a lot of like underdog sport programs. But if you type in underdog Scott Kujak, you'll pull it up real quick. I also have a website, uh, www.underdogpc.com. And I'm actually launching a brand new website 
Uh, probably within the next week or two, www.scottkujak.com. It's more user-friendly. It's going to have more content. And then it also has a speaker page because I'm going to start speaking um, around the state of Texas and hopefully around the country and sharing the message of these underdogs, specifically Phil and his battle against cancer and trying to carry on his legacy. Well, that sounds like you have a full summer coming up, and we look forward to following you along. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed being on another podcast. Usually I'm on the other side of the spectrum, on the other side of the mic, but I love coming to TCU, and this was definitely an honor. Go Frogs. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU Alumni are changing the world.